There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. As we've reached the midway point of the week and we focus in on what's going on this weekend. Lots of stuff to get into this weekend with the UFC fight, Masvidal Covington, of course, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. There's a NASCAR race here in town in Las Vegas and college basketball heating up to a boiling point with conference tournaments underway and more about to begin. But we start in the NBA where James Harden made his 76ers home debut In Philly against the Knicks, this is the second of a back-to-back home-and-home between the Knicks and the Sixers, and no surprise, Philly once again beats up on the Knicks because it seems like everybody has been beating up on the Knicks lately. But James Harden, in his home debut with fake beards galore in the crowd, had a near triple-double, 26 points, With nine rebounds and nine assists, he played 36 minutes. Joel Embiid finished with 27 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. And the Sixers are now 3-0 with James Harden and Joel Embiid on the floor together, winning all three games after the All-Star break. Timberwolves, Knicks, And Knicks again. But they'll face a much tougher test coming up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are still, this is still the honeymoon phase. And I'm not surprised by this. When I questioned whether or not this relationship would work and whether or not it would turn into a championship for the city of brotherly love, I didn't think that, oh, it was going to be a bust from the get-go. No, I knew this would work out early because that's what happens with James Harden. He's an all-world NBA player. And when he's motivated and wants to play, he shows up and he balls out. We saw it when he first came to Brooklyn. We're seeing it now in his first games as a sixer. But I want to see What happens when adversity hits? What happens when the Sixers are down two games to one in a playoff series? Then what happens? 
I'm still going to fade this Sixers team come the postseason because I'm not a believer in James Harden, the postseason player. I haven't seen it yet. No one really has seen it. We all remember the disappearing act that he had in game six several years ago, the Western Conference Finals. One of the worst games you could actually ask for a superstar player. So until I see postseason success from James Harden, and that could simply just be a first-round sweep where he puts up numbers like he's putting up right now, then maybe I'll buy in. But for now, I'm just, I'm actually hoping they keep winning. I do. Because I want to see the numbers increase. I want to see them get to a playoff series and in the first round have a matchup with the Celtics. And I want to see the Sixers as a big favorite in that series. And then I will just fade them and take the Celtics to win the series. So I hope the Sixers keep winning and 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 the prices continue to increase. Uh, right now, they are in the possession of the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they are 38-23. and 23. They're two games back of the Bulls for the two seed. Or excuse me, two games back of Miami for the one seed. They're just a half game back of the Bulls for the two seed. Still one game up on the Bucks for the four seed. Milwaukee beating Miami at the buzzer. Well, just before the buzzer here on Wednesday night. So a big win for Miami, uh, excuse me, for Milwaukee over Miami. And there's the Eastern Conference odds. The Sixers are still plus 370 hanging around there. The Heat plus 475, Celtics plus 950, Bulls at 12 to 1. I'm not buying it on the Sixers. I, I, I want that price to increase so that other prices drop off. And maybe I get the heat at a better number. Or maybe I go series by series against the 76ers. That's what I'll be looking for. But there's no denying. I'm not going to be a hater. There's no denying how good they have looked in three games with James Harden. Albeit two of them were against the New York Knicks. So please take it with a grain of salt. Okay? Just slow down with the expectations. The Knicks are awful. Beating the Timberwolves, I'll give them that. But the Sixers, uh, beating the Knicks, everyone beats the Knicks. Not impressed. I'll be impressed moving forward when we take a look at their remaining schedule. And if you look at their remaining strength of schedule, and I I keep bringing this up uh, all the time, but the Sixers... Uh, kind of middle of the road here in terms of their remaining strength of schedule. Taking a look at the rest of the NBA schedule here for Wednesday, the Hornets beat up on the Cavs 119-98 as Cleveland has continued to kind of uh, falter as of late. Pacers in overtime with a 122-114 win over the Magic. We mentioned the Sixers beating the Knicks uh, com- uh, convincingly. It took overtime, but the Jazz, as big favorites, win but don't cover against the Rockets, 132-127. We talked about the Miami game. The Heat were plus 4.5, plus 5, depending on where, when you got it. I saw some 4s out there. 
and they were in control of this game uh, really the whole way through, and the Bucks get a uh, Drew Holiday layup with about less than a second remaining to win the game 121-19. So Miami gets uh, the cover, but Milwaukee gets the victory. Pelicans beat the Kings 125-95 in a route. It was the Thunder over the Nuggets 119-107, and then the Suns without Devin Booker, already without Chris Paul, as heavy favorites against the Blazers, beat them by 30, 120 to 90. And it was just a well-rounded game. Cam Johnson had 20 points. Jay Crowder had 15. Bridges had 15. Aiton had 12. Just everyone contributing for this team without, obviously, Chris Paul and no Devin Booker in this one. And, and it was a game that I thought, you know what, maybe Portland would have a shot, but the Blazers, oof, they've lost their last three games, and all three of them have been absolute blowouts. I think they lost all three games by 99 points. Think about that. 132-95 loss to the Warriors, 124-92 loss to the Nuggets, 120-90 loss to the Suns. And up next, a matchup with the Timberwolves in a couple of days. In Minnesota, I don't know how you don't lay a big number with the T-Wolves in that game. Uh, Taking a look at the updated standings now. With the win, it's the Phoenix Suns keep their position. Obviously, they're not going to lose first place. But maybe, I thought, lose a couple of games here or there. Starts to get a little bit sweaty, especially with Memphis playing the way that they're playing. Memphis only a half game back of the Warriors for the two seed. But the Suns winning, they maintain a seven-game lead over the Warriors and a a seven-and-a-half game lead over the uh, Grizzlies. As far as the Blazers losing, they remain one game back of the Pelicans for the 10 seed. The Pelicans, meanwhile, have won three straight while the Blazers have lost three straight. The Lakers have also lost three straight. L.A. is a game and a half up on New Orleans for the ninth seed and two and a half games up on the Blazers for the 10th and final spot in that play-in tournament. And a win by Portland here on Wednesday would have been interesting for that play-in seeding They would only be a half game back of the Pelicans, and they would be just, what, two games back of the Lakers? And I'm telling you, I'm still down on this Lakers team. I'm going to continue to be down on this Lakers team. (laughs) But the Blazers playing as poorly as they've been playing over the past three games, well, maybe uh, they're not going to be the ones to kind of climb up and scared the Lakers. Maybe it's San Antonio, right? They're just a game back of Portland, so maybe it's San Antonio. They've won five of their last 10 games. So that's what's going down in the NBA. Uh, The biggest story, obviously, uh, James Harden with a near triple-double as the marriage is working out so far. Three games with James Harden on the floor, three wins. And two of them are against the Knicks, so take it for what it's worth. But so far, it has looked good. Joel Embiid's numbers are not astronomical, but they're not suffering 
right now. You know, 20-somewhat points, double-digit boards. It, it's, it's an average game. He's not scoring 35, 40, 40-something points uh, like we've seen from John Morant or even DeMar DeRozan for a stretch of time. And then in the top of the Eastern Conference standings, Miami losing to Milwaukee is big for everybody trying to catch the heat. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Hit us all up on the network at VSIN Live. Get into what went down in college hoops coming up next. Talk about some situational spots as well. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. L. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of the look ahead is brought to you by Zin Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com slash find. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. And uh, we had an exciting night in college basketball as the underdogs did a real nice job for some in the top 25 matchups. Uh, first off, let's talk about Auburn, the number five team in the nation. Trying to bounce back from their loss over the weekend, like every top team is. And I said that this was the right side of the game, even though Matt Eumann said that he didn't like betting road favorites and college hoops. And I tend to agree. But I was on Arizona the other night and on Tuesday night. They were a road favorite, but they were in the spot to bounce back from their loss with the win. And I felt that this was the right spot for Auburn to bounce back from their loss with a win. And at the half, I, I, I thought I cashed the ticket. 
Auburn was up 40-28 to at the half. But the second half, a different story. Mississippi State storming back. The game goes into overtime. Where, as Tim Murray would say, underdogs go to die. As Auburn routes Mississippi State in the OT, 20-7, to they go on to win 81-68 and cover the short spread there. Number 14, Arkansas survived as they beat LSU 77-76 thanks to a late foul and some free throws. And uh, LSU does get the cover, losing by just the one. Creighton, four-point dogs winning outright at home against number 18, UConn, 64-62 to to improve their standings. In the Big East. And then Texas A&M. As a 10 point underdog. On the road. Upsets number 25 Alabama. 87-71. So that was the biggest upset of the night. In terms of your ranked opponents. Uh, some fun games throughout. St. John's beating Xavier by a big number, 81-66. Bryant, who is uh, the pick to cruise through the NEC tournament, wins big over Central Connecticut, 73-59. to Wagner blows out St. Francis in that NEC tournament, 82-53. Seton Hall just gets by Georgetown, 73-68. Florida State, a four-point win over Notre Dame, uh, 74-70. Oklahoma State beats Iowa State, 53-36. to You want to talk about an ugly basketball game? Iowa State shot 28% from the field. And it wasn't like Oklahoma State was that much better. Oklahoma State was 3 of 15 from three-point range. Iowa State was 2 of 17 from three-point range. This was just an ugly, ugly, ugly game. Iowa State scores 20 points in the first half, only 16 in the second half. They score 36 for the entire game. 53-36 sounds like a first-half score, but that was the full game score in that one. So... Now we start to focus in on the final games of the regular season. And you have to kind of pick out the teams that have, I guess, the, the, the motivation is what we're looking at here. Like, you want to find out the um, which teams have a chance to either improve their seeding or which teams don't can't improve their season. Like, what's there to play for for these teams as they head into their conference tournaments? So uh, here's what we have on the schedule for Thursday. Number 14, Houston is hosting Temple. Houston is a heavy favorite, 15.5-point favorites. Houston is uh, the number one team in the American Athletic Conference, and uh, looks like, um, you know, they pretty much have wrapped this thing up because they could finish with four losses. And I guess Mem- uh, SMU might have a chance to, but they beat SMU and they split with SMU. Okay, so it's not over yet. 
one more win, and they'll clinch this thing. So you got uh, two and a half games back is SMU in the conference, and SMU has two games left. Yeah, this thing is over. So Houston's going to wrap this thing up. Win the, they, I think they've already won it, um, the American Athletic Conference. Number 20, Illinois. 12.5-point favorites over number 20, Penn State. Illinois is an interesting team. Okay, so the regular season conference is over. Wisconsin's got that. But in terms of, you know, looking forward to which teams have a chance to win the Big Ten tournament, I think Illinois has got a legit chance. Uh, They're going to be the two seed most likely. They have two games left against Penn State and Iowa. Uh, Purdue has just one game left against Indiana. So uh, Purdue can finish 14 and six. Illinois, if they win out, will finish 15 and five. And they'll be the two seed in the Big Ten Conference tournament. I think they're a dark horse. Well, not a dark horse, but they, they absolutely can win this big, win this conference, and then possibly find themselves on a little bit of a run here in the um, NCAA tournament. Right now, according to Joe Lenardi from ESPN's Bracketology, he's got Illinois as a four seed in the East. I think if they go through and win the Big Ten Conference tournament, they could bump up to a three seed. So the three seeds right now are... Villanova in the East. He's got Wisconsin in the Midwest. So that would mean that Wisconsin would win the Big Ten Conference Tournament. I think they would flip-flop. If if Illinois wins the Big Ten Conference Tournament, probably throw them as a three-seed in the Midwest instead of Wisconsin. He's got Wisconsin as the AQ, meaning the automatic qualifier, meaning that they are the winners of the Big Ten Conference Tournament. So if Illinois can somehow win that conference tournament, then they would be the three seed, it looks like, in the Midwest, which would mean, I mean, think about that. If that's the case, everything that I talk about with Villanova and the possibility of them making a Final Four run has to do with the location. If they get to play in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, in the East region, which is in Philadelphia, which is on a floor that they play home games, some of them, several games a year, they play on that court. Well, can't I say the same thing about Illinois? If they get placed in the Midwest and their games are in Chicago, and still, I get it's not, the same thing as Villanova because they don't play several home games a year there, but we're talking about in-state. I think they'd rather, I think that's a good spot for them. Uh, Ohio State plays Michigan State. Kansas against TCU, the rematch. TCU just beat Kansas the other night. Stormed the court, handing the, the Jayhawks their second straight loss. Now, Kansas is home. I think you got to back Kansas here. Maybe a first-half play. They're 10.5-point favorites. I think I love Kansas to just win big. 
It's easy for a team like TCU to pull off an upset at home. Now they got to go on the road, face a team that needs the win. I I love Kansas in this spot. We'll talk about some other situational spots in college basketball as we get closer and closer to the start of the conference tournaments. Adam Burke will join us. You read them all over vcin.com, of course, in Point Spread Weekly. Adam will join me as we'll get down uh, to everything that's going on in college basketball. We'll talk about some NBA stuff as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. You follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll see if Adam is as high on the Jayhawks on Thursday night as I am. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, on every key team conference and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. Just a look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joined now by our sports betting analyst, as well as contributor to Point Spread Weekly, vsin.com, and the entire network as a whole. He is Adam Burke. You follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. And Adam, I just got done talking about some situational spots in college hoops with teams needing to uh, either clinch a regular season conference title or move up the standings in the conference tournament. Uh, I look at Kansas here on Thursday in a spot where they just got beat and embarrassed by TCU in Fort Worth, and now they play them again at home in such a short time frame laying 10 and a half is a lot, but are you with me in riding with the Jayhawks? Yeah. You know, I think it's really interesting because obviously there are a lot of situational factors in play here. And of course for a team like Kansas, you know, they kind of pride themselves on winning that regular season, heading into the big 12 conference tournament on a high note. The only thing that would caution me, I mean, you know, look, TCU won that game by 10 last uh, a couple of days ago. They were only three for 15 from three. So, you know, TCU really performed well in a lot of different areas. They pulled down a ton of offensive rebounds. Is that something that Kansas can change? You know, basically overnight going from Tuesday to Thursday. I think it's a really big question for them. You know, Kansas, look, I mean, are they looking ahead to Texas, you know, in senior day and all the things that kind of come along with that? Or are they looking for some revenge and some retribution? I don't know. It's a big number, as you said, but uh, I can't fault you for thinking the way that you're thinking. Well, it's worked out for me two nights in a row because uh, on Monday, I backed USC bouncing back from their loss and uh, being an angry team, and they took it out on USC. I backed Auburn here on uh, on Wednesday night, and little bit of a sweat <laughs> as they go into overtime and they wind up covering. So I guess I'm just going to kind of buy in on the top team losing 
to kind of come out, even though Kansas has lost two straight, I'm going to bank on them to kind of right the ship here. Yeah, no, it's fair. And, and look, I mean, at this time of the year, you know, those are things that you kind of want to look for as well. You know, teams that have a little bit more to play for, you know, whether it's something from a conference tournament standpoint, whether it's something from, you know, revenge, just something to kind of get them going a little bit. You know, look, it's late in the year. It's a long season. You know, this season is one where, you know, it's been a little bit more normal, but, you know, these guys didn't play the same number of games the last couple of years and all of that. So we're getting really deep into the year. You need something to keep you focused. And, and maybe that's the thing for Kansas. And, and also, too, for TCU, I mean, they were probably pretty solidly in the tournament anyway. But getting that win over Kansas certainly makes them virtually a lock to go to the NCAA tournament. So maybe a little bit of a letdown factor with that. Yeah. Uh, taking a look also at the schedule, Illinois plays Penn State. It is a big number there. Uh, if Can Illinois... Do, they can get a share of the Big Ten regular season. Is, is that correct? Because I know Wisconsin celebrated they won the Big Ten regular season, but looking at the conference tournament seedings, it says Wisconsin or Illinois can be the one seed. So does that mean that they there could be a share of the regular season title? Yeah, you know, it looks like uh, the Illini beat Wisconsin during the regular season. So they do have that head-to-head tiebreaker if they're able to win out here against Penn State and Iowa, get a share, and then possibly it looks like, uh, you know, maybe end up with that number one seed. Although they would still need a little bit of help in that department as well. And, you know, look, there's so many different factors that come into play in terms of, you know, you've had some teams that had games canceled and they wound up not, you know, rescheduling those. Mm -hmm. You've had some teams that have gone by win percentage or by, adjusted win percentage by Ken Palm, all kinds of different things in terms of tiebreakers. Uh, but Illinois would need some help here. They would need Wisconsin to lose to Nebraska, which probably isn't going to happen yeah. coming up here this weekend. But still, you know, there are things to play for. And, and also, too, you know, look, Illinois is a team, and I wrote about this a little bit already, that you know, look, they have not had NCAA tournament success since 2013. You know, so this is a team that wants to be on a high note going into the conference tournament, trying to improve their seed line a little bit. There are teams that have motivations here to kind of, you know, not develop bad habits and, and sort of go with a little bit of momentum uh, either into the conference tournament or the NCAA tournament. What team are you looking at right now in college basketball that you think uh, is a good one to tell uh, or to ride through their conference tournament? Well, that's a really good question, especially because, you know, you've got so many of these teams here that are looking to come out of one bid leagues where, you know, that's something that's a really big challenge. I'll tell you one that I wrote about here today, actually. The conference tournament starts over the weekend. The Colonial Athletic Association, Hofstra. So Hofstra is the three seed in the CAA tournament. The number two seed is UNC Wilmington. And if you go through Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, any of the sources that are out there, UNC Wilmington is about the luckiest team in the country. Mm -hmm. They've won an inordinate number of their close games. I think they're 12 and three in games decided by six or fewer points, something like that. They have an astonishingly good record in that department. They're the number two seed. But if you go through and look at Ken Palm or Torvik or any of the other sources that are out there, they're like the sixth best team in the conference in terms of all of their metrics. So Hofstra coming from the bottom of that bracket there, they're a really, really strong team, a very good offensive team. That's one where I think the pride is very, very live in that conference tournament. Now, Towson is a team that almost has something of an at-large resume. They still have to win this conference tournament to get in. But Towson's a very, very good team. So it's one of those scenarios to me where when you get to conference tournaments, if you have a great number one seed, I look for futures value in the bottom of the bracket. And I think the CAA is a really good example of that, where Hofstra is a team that, 
gets a relatively decent draw, and they get a weak number two seed in that conference. Yeah, interesting stuff there. Uh, as far as the outlook um, for a potential deep tournament run, how high are you on Duke? You got to believe that the committee is going to give them a favorable draw because it's Coach K's final go at it, and they're going to go through the, the ACC tournaments. So they're going to win that. I'm not saying they're going to be a one seed. I don't think they deserve that, but... As a two seed, they'll get a favorable draw. They won't be in the hardest uh, region. What do you think of Duke's chances to get to the Final Four? Yeah, you know, the thing about Duke, I mean, look, their metrics look really, really good. They're a top 30 team in effective field goal percentage, both offense and defense, a top 25 team in adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. And typically, if you look for teams that have the chance to cut down the nets, you need teams that are top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So they are there. They are playing really well. They're 8-1 and one in their games against Quadrant 1 opponents. But at the same time, they played the 148th-ranked non-conference schedule. Yes, they beat Gonzaga, and that's a great win for them. They also lost to Ohio State. They've had some other losses that are kind of questionable. But at the same time, look, there are three losses in ACC player by five combined points. So you know, for Duke, it, it's sort of... You know, do you trust all the talent that they have, or do you kind of look at their history of having really talented teams and falling short or barely surviving one of their first or second round games? Something like that. I don't know. All the pieces are there. All the parts are there. They're a very good team all over the floor offensively. They're probably, you know, elite eight type of caliber, but I don't really know if they're a team that can win at all. Uh, USC and UCLA play each other in the final game of the regular season coming up on Saturday. Do either of these teams have a chance to unseat Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament? Personally, no, I don't think so. You know, obviously UCLA made that huge run as an 11 seed last year in the tournament, and and Mick Cronin's done a phenomenal job with them. He's gotten them to play that hard-nosed style of defense that he got out of his teams at Cincinnati. The thing I really worry about with UCLA They take a ton of mid-range jump shots, a ton of them. And it's really not a sound offensive strategy. And if you look at, I know you've had Simon Gersberg on before, and I know we've had him on some of the other shows. If you looked at their shot quality metrics from last year, UCLA got very, very lucky. Their opponents missed a lot of open shots, and they made a lot of those mid-range jump shots. I don't see lightning striking in a bottle a second straight year for them. In fact, I'll probably look to fade UCLA pretty early in the tournament this year just because I don't really see that string of luck. I don't believe in the Pac-12. I I don't think UCLA is as good of a team as their ranking and their rating would suggest. So they're actually a team I'm looking to fade a little bit. And the same thing for USC where they just don't force turnovers. They're not particularly efficient on offense. It's Arizona and then I think personally a very big gap in the Pac-12. Maybe a dark horse team like Oregon or something. Uh, to give a scare. Dana Altman does it every year. You know, they win four <laughs> games in four days in the Pac-12 tournament when they had a really mediocre regular season. He's the guy that would scare me because for whatever reason, kind of that Tom Izzo factor where his team's just always ready to go in March. Yeah, tournament tested is the term that we use. Uh, Adam, hang on because I want to talk about your article in Point Spread Weekly about NBA potential spots uh, situationally that we can be looking forward in the next coming days, Okay. All right, sounds good. He's Adam Burke. You follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods, our sports betting analyst here at VSIN. Read him in Point Spread Weekly and on VSIN.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Zadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, rejoined by our sports betting analyst at VSIN.com. Point spread weekly is Adam Burke. You follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. And Adam, let's talk NBA. The James Harden experiment, so far so good for Philadelphia. They are 3-0 with Harden on the floor. Granted, two of those wins are against the hapless New York Knicks. Uh, What have you made of this marriage so far and the honeymoon phase, and how long will it last? Yeah, I think honeymoon phase is probably a pretty accurate way to put it, you know, because you and I were talking during the break. The big thing about James Harden is that there's only one basketball on the floor, and you've got a guy who's an elite offensive player in Joel Embiid, and he wants his touches, and maybe Harden will give those to him, and obviously Harden already with 28 assists in two games, you give him a lot of credit for that. But, you know, I think right now it kind of works out for them because they are sort of a two-man team with Harden and Embiid. Is that something that will work out as they go through deeper into the season and of course into the playoffs well that's kind of where you wonder you know you wonder about James Harden's health a lot of usage for a guy that's in his age 33 season that's something you worry about obviously you worry about Embiid's health quite often as well so yeah things are going well for now but you know who knows if they continue I just can't wait to fade this team come the playoffs because I've never appreciated James Harden as a winning player in the playoffs We all remember his disappearing act in game six several years ago. So I hope they keep winning at him and the price keeps going up so I can take another, I could take their their opponent in in a playoff series. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the big things for me. And it always has been kind of looking at the big picture, you know, what sort of happens in a vacuum on a game by game basis is one thing, but I'm always looking ahead, you know, or two games ahead or three games ahead, something like that. Or in your case, looking ahead to the the NBA playoffs where, You know, look, there's a lot of good teams in the East. There's a sleeping giant in the East in terms of the Brooklyn Nets. If they're able to get healthy, you know, is is Philadelphia well positioned? Maybe. But, you know, the Bucs are going to be better come playoff time when they start to care. You know, and so are other teams. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the Sixers look pretty good now. and, And hopefully, as you said, that kind of inflates the price on some of the other teams. Let's talk about some of the situational spots that you wrote about in this edition of Point Spread Weekly. Uh, Coming up here on Thursday, you're looking at the Warriors and the Mavericks rematch. Yeah, so this game falls under what I like to call the rapid revenge theory, where when you play a team and you lose to them, 
you want to get that game back. And in particular for the Warriors here, the game that they lost to the Mavericks, 107-101 on Sunday, Golden State was up by 21 in the third quarter. They led by 14 going into the fourth quarter. Still found a way to lose that game. They were outscored by 20 in the fourth quarter. The Warriors were 11 for 39 from three. That's probably not going to happen again. Steph Curry was only three of 10. That doesn't happen very often. So it's not even just the rapid revenge angle, but it's also the manner in which Golden State lost. They'll want to prove that's a fluke. They'll want to get that game back. They'll probably do it here on Thursday night. And, you know, look, I mean, there's a reason why they are a road favorite against a team that just beat them in the Dallas Mavericks. What uh, You also have the Spurs and the Kings here on Thursday night. Yeah, so the San Antonio Spurs, I mean, I feel bad for this team for a variety of reasons. For one, I mean, they should be a much better team than they are. They're 24 and 38, but they're basically even in terms of point differential. They should be more like a 500 team, which would have them the nine seed in the Western Conference if that was the case. But San Antonio has not played a home game Since February 4th, prior to the All-Star break, they had their annual rodeo road trip, then the All-Star break, then they played three more games away from home. So now they get Sacramento at home here on Thursday night, and in fact, they actually leave again to go play Charlotte on Saturday, which I think is a terrible spot for San Antonio, but they're laying six and a half here. I know it looks like a big number, but they're a much better team than their record suggests, and also back at home for the first time in a month, basically four weeks. I like San Antonio, even with that big number. What about some spots uh, looking ahead to the weekend, either Friday or Saturday? Well, like I said on Saturday, the Spurs play that single home game. Then they go back on the road to play Charlotte. And look, the Spurs are a team trying to fight for that 10th spot, for that final play-in tournament spot. So all of their games are important. But, you know, you're going out of conference here. You're going back on the road again. And then you come home for a seven-game homestand. So this feels like kind of a throwaway game for the Spurs on Saturday against the Hornets. So I would look towards Charlotte in that one. And also, too, you know, team we just mentioned, the 76ers. They'll be a big favorite Friday night against the Cavs now. The Cavs are kind of bobbing and weaving a little bit. They're just 500 over their last 10 games. A lot of people kind of wondering if this young team can hold up. I know that the Knicks aren't very good, but that was a game on ESPN here tonight for the 76ers. After they play the Cavs on Friday... They fly down to Miami and take on the Heat. So not only do they play the top team in the East, but also they get to go to Miami, which is really not a bad thing to mm-hmm. go down to Miami, mm-hmm. you know, while the weather's still not particularly good. So I think the Cavs can cover on Friday night. As I said, I expect them to be a, a pretty big underdog in that game. But I do like them a little bit with Philadelphia, maybe looking ahead to that Miami game on Saturday. Yeah, marquee game, especially for seeding, obviously. Well, even the Cavs game is for seeding. Everything's important for seeding here in the Eastern Conference. Miami uh, just losing to the Bucs, uh, heartbreaking fashion here. They had this game well in control, and uh, it was the Drew Holiday buzzer, well, almost a buzzer beater, as it uh, looked like it was an offensive foul, but no call. And uh, the Bucks get the 121-19 win. How high are you on the Miami Heat, though, in their outlook in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, well, look, I mean, you give them a lot of credit. I think Eric Spolster is a much better coach than people have given him credit for throughout his career. You know, I know that he had LeBron and he had the big three and all of that. But I mean, this is a team that consistently plays hard. They generally end up playing pretty good defense. Really for them, you know, it's kind of about health. You know, is is Jimmy Butler a guy that's able to stay healthy when we know that he's been banged up throughout his career? Tyler Hero's kind of been banged up a little bit here of late as well. This is a team that when they're fully healthy and they're at their peak, 
mean, they're a very, very strong team. They've got the second-best point differential in the Eastern Conference. Only Boston is better. They're good on the road. They're good at home. They're one of two teams in the East with 20 away wins. The only other one is Philadelphia. They're a team that can win anywhere. In fact, they're one of four teams with 20 wins on the road here so far. I think Miami is really, really solid. Obviously, you want to look at the Bucs with Giannis and the 76ers with the Embiid-Harden tandem and, of course, the healthy Nets. But I guess Miami team is very good, and I think they'd be a very tough out for anybody in that Eastern Conference. Are you starting your KBO prep with uh, no Major League Baseball on the horizon? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm I'm probably going to have to. You know, obviously, Major League Baseball is not going to start here on opening day, and the KBO will. I believe KBO opening day is April 2nd. So that was a market I dove into uh, when COVID really took hold here in the U.S. and, and canceled everything. You know, it was a really interesting league for for a lot of different reasons. You know, I mean, they're, the pitchers don't really have the same level of control. There were a lot of walks. There are a lot of balls in play. So if you had really bad defensive teams, you'd kind of look to prey on that, whether you played overs, team total overs, faded those teams, stuff like that. Uh, I, I might have to dust it off. You know, I mean, uh, may need a little bit of a break after college basketball, and, and maybe the labor stoppage will give me that opportunity with baseball. But you know, look, if, if there's money to be made out there, no matter what type of league or betting market it's in, it's probably an opportunity worth exploring. And, and I know a lot of people that very significantly moved KBO lines, had a lot of success with it back in 2020. Uh, maybe the books will be a little bit more prepared this time around if they have that kind of onslaught here in April. Uh, just imagine. I, I mean, uh, granted, I think it'll be great to make some money on it, Adam, but I don't want to see it get to a point where we don't have Major League Baseball games come, you know, it, it, the end of April and we're betting KBO games. Hopefully they get a deal done. If we have a 140-something game season, I'm okay with it. Just just get on the field already. I just want them to have a long enough spring training so that guys are ready to start the season. Yeah, that's going to be a really big concern for me, Scott, is, you know, how expedited is spring training? Because there are over 200 free agents still left out there. Teams are going to make trades. I mean, that's just inevitable because they really haven't been able to uh-huh. over the last you know month and a half, two months. You know, these teams need time to kind of gel. These coaches need time to work with these players. They need time to, you know, change pitch grips and change ways that guys attack the zone and all of that. I think it's going to make it extremely difficult from a futures standpoint. And I love betting futures. I love betting season win totals. It's something I've had a lot of success with in the past. But I'll probably end up with much lower volume and, and maybe even shy away a little bit just because there are going to be so many moving parts in such short order if they get this thing squared away that you know there's going to be a lot of new faces on new teams. And, and it takes some time for all that to kind of come together. I mean, it's not gelling like the NBA or anything like that, but these coaches have have things that they want to do with these players. The front offices isolate guys for a reason. So that's something that we'll have to kind of navigate through. And uh, truth be told, I'm not looking forward to it if spring training is really shortened. Yeah. I mean, last year when they only had the three weeks, uh, players, coaches, everyone complained that it was too short. So hopefully they learned from last season. Adam, appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with these situational spots here coming up. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, Scott. There is Adam Burke. You read him point spread weekly, vcn.com, and on Twitter at Skating Tripods. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.